0: My Football Podcast, David Laster, Stefan Housen, back. Just finished watching the Karate Kid,
1: Stefan. What's going on? <laughs> you looking for some inspiration for your time in China? I was telling you before we came on how it's such a
0: hilarious movie. The man has three months to turn this clown into a fighter. And he just has him doing work like sand floor, paint fence, paint house. Wash car. I don't know. I don't know what kind of trade And him call it training. Sound like slave work to me.
1: It's the and method but- behind the madness, man. It translates <laughs> into the karate. You imagine if... Well, you know, there's a t- There's actually a TV show, which I,
0: I hear I must watch. It's called Ted Lasso, where an American football coach comes and trains uh, a EPL team. I gather that's the gist of it. It's supposed to be hilarious. So I gather that's the method behind the mad <laughs> I don't know about no method. If a man who has no sense, come and, come, come and say, oh, we're not going to use the football. We're not going to train with the football. We're just going to you know, just, just sit on the grass all day. Just feel the emotions of the grass. After the first time, nobody's going to do it again. Well, it worked for the
1: Karate Kid.
0: You know, you know, Stefan, I was talking to you last week and we didn't really get a chance to get into like Germany losing to North Macedonia. And it's funny, you know, because I was remembering how Germany destroyed England in the 2010 World Cup. And I watched the I was rewatching the extended highlights. They were running plays that English, the English players had no idea what they were doing for 36, 37 minutes. It was like football from another planet. Ashley Cole was just running around the way how, how close was being pulled out wide. It was, it was almost as if England showed up to the football and it was a new world. They'd, never, they'd <laughs> never seen this game before. It was a completely different game. And it happened to Brazil in 2014 with Marcelo just running up and down with his Afro flowing in the air, his hair everywhere. And they're just being pulled apart in all different directions, not knowing where the runners are coming from, where the press is coming, what what passing angles. It was just a free free fall. Uh why do you think Germany now is just not the same? I know you're going to I know I'm going to interrupt you and say it's low, but it can't just
1: all be low. <laughs> No, no, I, I definitely wouldn't put it all on low. Yeah, Lo is a manager who I definitely thought has overstayed his welcome for the German national team by a couple tournaments at least. But you know, it would be unfair to put it firmly on him. You know, if we go back decades, wow, decades at this point in time, when Germany had their little fall in the early 2000s, they completely revamped their youth setup and they, they did something to push through talent, and we saw the benefits of that. But what's really happened for Germany since the World Cup is they've essentially missed out an entire generation of talents. Like, if you really look at it, if you go back to that 2010 World Cup, um, if you look at that squad, the top talents, youth player-wise, were Mesut Ozil at 21, Thomas Muller was 20, um, Bat Stubo was 21, Tony Cruz was 20, Boateng was 21, Marco Marino was 21. How many of those players are still effective for Germany right now. None of them are from what I... Only Tony Cruz at this point in time. You got to the 2014 World Cup, and that's which is four years later. You're looking at young players like Andre, Andre Schurler, who played well for them at the tournament. Julian Draxo was 20. Um, Gutzel was 22. Uh, most of those players haven't developed into the type of players that Germany wanted. Marco Royce, another superbly talented player, has never been able to keep fit for them. They've essentially just missed out on a generation and this previous generation that won the World Cup has had to hold on too long. Yaki Lo has been hesitant to push forward younger talents coming through. So everything kind of seems a bit rushed at this point in time and it hasn't translated well onto the pitch. I know what we're seeing is Germany might even be bringing back some of those players such as Boateng and Muller because they didn't get their development right.
0: Yeah, defensively... It just hasn't been right. They still have a, a tremendous amount of talent. And I don't think, I think based on the na- the talent, just the natural talent of the players on the pitch, if someone said to me, Germany is going to win the European Championships, I don't think anybody would be surprised per se. It would just be like, oh, the talent just finally came together because in Gannabry, Sané, um, what? Um, how do you pronounce the gentleman's name? I don't want to butcher his name, Goretzka. Players like that, they have enough talent. Kimmich has more than enough talent. I feel, I feel, with Germany though, is that with even if they're good players, and even if if Werner and Kai Havertz finally knock on and reach your potential, I don't see any of them being what I would consider the best players in the world conversation. You get what I'm saying? I thought Sané could have been it, but I don't see it. Gnabry the same. I feel like they're all just extremely good talents, but none have the ability to go to that next, next level. And if you, if you play a team, knock on wood, it's England, and England have players like Sterling in form, uh, the, the magic that is Mason Mount, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, a Jack Grealish, for example, players who I feel, who I feel, uh, who I feel this, the, the, the story hasn't been written on them yet. Um, the, if they were to get to that next level, I feel Germany would have a problem in terms of matching up against against an England, against a France, against a a Spain. Because the way how football is played, teams sit deep, um, force you to have the ball for long spells, ask you to take shots from outside, and if you can't break through with, with something special or a mistake, you can you you're so you're so open on the counter attack, which we saw from Bayern Munich against PSG, and that's what I think is a problem uh, for for Germany at the moment. I feel like they're trapped in a in a fog again when they were when they were winning the World Cup and they were coming up in two thousand and ten. They were running a system, and teams just didn't know how to adapt to them. If you sit deep, you know Bastian Schweinsteiger had the ball. Kidira played so well off of Bastian Schweinsteiger. Tony Cruz, underrated legendary football player. You had Philip Lam. even yeah, um, a player like closer who was actually not not the best football player per se, but was just such a good team football player that the combinations together made them better than the individuals. Whereas now, I feel teams have just found a way to just give Germany the ball. They understand defensively they're a bit shaky and they can counter-attack. And that's the point where now they need some talent that can overcome that. And right now, I don't see it coming through per se.
1: Yep, I agree with you. Um, when you were saying that, for the most part, for some reason, France was in my head. That that was a team I was comparing them to. to overall, I don't think France... I think France's talent is a bit overrated, although they do yeah. have two special talents in Pogba, who I don't think has ever been special for France, but he has shown the capability to change a game because of his special talents. And then they do have Mbappe, who is... A player who is out of this world, and that's oh, something yeah, that Germany. In the world. Yeah, and that's some. That's some. That's something that Germany lacks, and I think one of the reasons they lack that once again is just because they didn't get that transition from generation to generation, right? When they won that World Cup, I mean, admittedly they won the World Cup, and I believe Lo said, "Okay, this team can push one more. We can get that 2016 Euros." And likely they, they probably should have, but they fell, they fell in the semi-finals in the Euros. It happens in football sometimes. You're just a bit unlucky. They so were unlucky against France. In oh, 100%. Sense. They were a bit unlucky. And that was probably the moment, finally, that Germany should have said, it's time to change things up. But once again, they didn't get rid of the manager. They stuck with him and he stuck with his principles. And they went to the 2018 World Cup and it was a shambles for them. Since then, they've tried to force a transition and it's it hasn't been organic it hasn't been natural and it's been such a haphazard process that they're going into the next euros looking a shell of them for their former selves
0: yeah they keep they keep trying to be innovative but the innovation just keeps shutting down too quickly it's like a machine they're trying to put three machines together to make one and it's just not coming together whereas like with france if france France, in terms of individualism, they're so good and their players are extremely selfless. Like we don't hear that enough about the French players. They're so selfless, the way how they they're willing to, to play with each other. And then you combine that with their ball skill and their ability in modern football game to mix athleticism and being compact. That's why they're extremely difficult to beat and fantastic on set pieces. Yeah. That is why. That is why I remember going in 2018 World Cup, I, said, I, I felt Brazil was the, was the team, was the best team. But I, I said, the one team, if I'm Brazil, I don't want to play is France. Because as a team that systematically know each other so well, understand their limitations, and will play so hard together that you're just not going it, it, to beat them. You're going to, you need to get that. You basically need them to miss their chance, and you to score your chance. It sometimes it comes down to that simplistic argument. They scored their chance, we didn't. Because if you don't score your chance and they do, they're gonna sit back deep, they're gonna counter you, and they have so much pace. Giroud can hold up the ball. And the players understand each other so well that it's going you're going to be on the the back foot for the entire time. You you don't want nil. And yep. that's where France, that's 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 France's best skill.
1: Yeah, and I don't think France gets enough credit every time an international window comes up. One of the biggest things that annoys me is um, people who don't give France the recognition they deserve. Every time it's, it's something about, oh, why does Deschamps play this type of football? Why, why aren't they selecting this type of players? Why, why aren't they more expansive? And the simple fact is they don't need to be because they're the best at what they do. And what they do is going to put them in the conversation for titles. He brought them to the final of the Euros, which they probably should have, they should have won. And they brought them to the final of the World Cup, which they did win. You have to give them props. They know what they're doing and they get the results.
0: Yeah, you know, transition towards, we saw that in the Champions League with Bayern Munich and PSG. Bayern Munich, of course, missing Lewandowski. Bayern Munich, 31 shots to nine, you know, having all of the ball, but losing 3 2. And it wouldn't surprise me if next week, uh, when they play, Bayern Munich actually win the game. I just don't know if Bayern Munich can keep a clean sheet. Boateng, what Boateng did for that Mbappe last goal was actually quite tragic. I have no idea what he was doing, where he was backpedaling to. Mbappe picked up the ball initially in what I wouldn't consider a dangerous, dangerous position, goal-scoring dangerous position. But the, by the time he got the shot off, he was basically right in front of goal. I just don't understand what Boateng was thinking. Like Boateng absolutely didn't commit. He just kept backing off, backing off. I, I don't understand Boateng. I really don't. I've never really rated him. And, you know, this goes back to 2010. I remember when he was on Manchester City, I thought he wasn't very good. Um, then he went to Bayern Munich and played very, very, very well. And I had to, I had to quiet my mouth. But over the last four years, how was he Kept on being Bayern Munich centre half, and the fact that they won the, the Champions League with him there—that that seems like a
1: miracle to me. <laughs> well, you, so bad. When, when Mbappe, you know, in all honesty, when Boateng was faced up with Mbappe, I didn't think there was any chance Boateng would be able to do anything. Regardless, I don't think most defenders would be able to stop Mbappe in that situation. But when that goal scored, it it did. It the words of the Bayern chief did come into my head who had recently confirmed that they weren't going to be offering him a new contract and he'd be leaving this summer. But what thing is that is that Bayern Munich really and truly to this point, simply because nobody will buy him. because They've been trying to respectfully phase him out of Bayern for years. He almost went to PSG a couple of years ago. There was rumours he would leave last year. And know it's confirmed that on a free transfer, he will definitely leave this summer. But um, it's another player that Bayern have brought in and they got their maximum out of him. He's won titles for them.
0: Interesting boy thing. When you look at PSG versus Bayern Munich, uh, interesting game. Uh, the, uh, I was disappointed in Leroy Sané for much of it. Because mm-hmm. every time I watch Leroy Sané, I expect much more from him. That's but, been a
1: consistent uh, theme for him over the last couple yeah. seasons, I believe.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I may you know give, give him a break because he had the injury, but I expect more. But as I said, you know, they're going to Paris. There's going to be no crowd. So I wouldn't be surprised if Bayern Munich wins that game. It's just about keeping the clean sheet. But moving on to Real Madrid versus Liverpool, man, I had to quiet my mouth. Junior, oh, yes, you did. <laughs> junior, junior says, man, say, I'm your senior You're scoring two goals against Liverpool. I still don't particularly rate him. But hey, for that day, I have to give him his ratings. But I thought it was more of a return of the Real Madrid midfield Um." and how they were able to win the Champions League in previous years. Cruz and Modric, understanding the opponent, understanding when to have possession, when not to have possession, how to use a long ball, how to set up Liverpool, how to get in in early phases against Trent Alexander, who I have to admit just wasn't good in that first half. This was not good enough. He has to be better. I know they don't have enough centre-backs or whatever, but you just have to be better. You have to find something. Uh, and it's going to be a bit difficult for them in the first half against Liverpool when they play again, because Liverpool is going to really come on them and, and get on them early. So that's where it's going. That's 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 where the game going to be won. That first twenty five minutes, uh, how Liverpool is going to really pressure Real Madrid. But again, it was a return of, Cruz and Modric, you know, and how, how smart they were at understanding to manage the football game. And they won, 3-1, and they were they were deserved winners. I have to say, it
1: was probably one of the most simplistic football games I've ever seen in my life. Real Madrid came into that game, and they clearly identified how they wanted to play. And that was Trent is going to go up the wing. Salah's not going to help him. So yeah. every second that Madrid was able to look up, he put that ball to the left side. Mendy was flying. Vinicius was flying. And they really went after Trent. And he had probably the worst 25 minutes he's had all season. And that's saying something because he's had some bad minutes this so season. Bad. So bad. But Phillips was such Not Phillips help- that great goal. Yeah. The long ball. Nat Phillips was not helpful either. That was probably the weakest right side of Liverpool have had all season. And um, yeah, it was just it was pretty basic, really and truly. There was nothing obviously the the reaction was Zidane tactically destroyed club as usual because we like to see these sensational arguments um but yeah it was pretty simple but from Zidane he knew what he wanted his team to do and they exploited the the, the space behind Alexander-Arnold all, all first half and they got their goals
0: I felt I felt a bit shocked I was a bit shocked how Liverpool were not able to get at Real Madrid's back line um Real Madrid missing their starting centre-backs um Salah Mane, I expected more, you know. Mane, I remember last year there were conversations that Mane might be the best player in the world. I was never one of those, but still, his movement and all around football has taken a drop this season. He oh, hasn't. I, I think that's 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 where Liverpool has has really missed, missed the, beat, the beat this season. Mane, just not the same player that he yeah, was earlier in the seasons.
1: Earlier in the season, a lot of the focus was on Firmino not being the same player, where I thought he did drop a level. But to me, Firmino has never been the one who is decisive in regards to assists or goals. I thought Firmino, for the most part, if he was a 10 out of 10 last year, he might have been a 7 out of 10 for the early parts of the season. Mane, Mane is not getting a passing grade for me this season. He's been disastrous. Um, but then again, the entire team has been disastrous. My, my What was most interesting about the Liverpool game for me from their perspective and it's funny because again media perception you'll never hear this said about Klopp but did Klopp overthink this game did he tinker too much if this was Pep Guardiola would he we would definitely be hearing why wasn't Thiago played why was Kato the man sent into the midfield randomly against the best midfield in Europe but you know it's Klopp you're not going to hear that
0: yeah but also Liverpool recently won a Champions League so you have to give them that uh, I think, I think where, 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 where it is that Liverpool had the problems was their the big players just didn't play. Sometimes, you know, you always hear the argument, the big window's dab, we're just not playing well enough, we're, we're just not getting on the ball, we're not doing this, we're not doing it, and it's always like, why? And there's always tactical reasons, oh, wow, West Ham just scored. Jesse Lingard, my God. Welcome <laughs> to the Euros. I, I can't get this guy out of my life. I you're, really can't. A what the a hell? What the hell? How <laughs> oh, oh, is this guy doing this, man? Declan you know, Rice celebrating. Declan Rice looks like look like he would be Jesse Lingard's uh, hype man on stage. You know, the guy who would be doing the dancing. Grad, You know, jesselyn Lingard is doing the rapping. And um, Declan <laughs> Rice is doing the dancing. He's just cheering him on. What? How is he scoring? looks like he took a deflection, though. Jesse Lingard uh,
1: to the Euros. He's going to be England's number 10.
0: Well, you know, eh, Jesse Lingard, I will give him this. Uh, I don't even know if he took a deflection. It just looks like a great goal. Uh, i give Jesse Lingard this. I'll get back to Real Madrid shortly. My thought on Real Madrid. It's a really good goal. No deflection. Jesse Lingard did score the critical mm-hmm. goal against Croatia. And in that game against the Netherlands var he was marginally offside or else you know England would have beaten the Netherlands in that game so uh, and he he has a he has a knack of being at least a good um i can understand his inclusion for being in the squad for England i do wish that England had better had a better um squad squad player yeah uh, but to be fair to Jesse Lingard and 1000 percent hold my hands up he was trash for two years at Manchester United. He has done what is everything possible um, you could ask for from him at West Ham. Um, still not good enough, in my opinion. But if he goes, I'm not going to call Southgate Dumb Gate, not going to call him backward gate, I'm not going to call him Lockgate. I'm just going to say hey, the man. Answered the man played well in the second half of the season.
1: So yeah. here's, here's my thing about international football, and in regards to Jesse Linger. International football is a seven-game tournament at the end of a season. International football is the most fragmented, haphazard collection of nonsense that we see in football every summer that there's a tournament. And when it comes to squad selection, I keep telling people this, a manager is not selecting necessarily the best 23 players available yeah. to him. He's selecting the best squad. He's selecting a squad that he's he's thinking, in case this happens, I can do this. This might happen, so I need this. Jesse Lingard is an international tournament footballer. If he's playing well, I don't necessarily think he's a bad inclusion for England squad. If you go back to the 2018 World Cup, he started... Every game, I believe, except the third place game, and he had a very good tournament. at England went to the semifinals. He playing... took
0: many chances and fell down a bunch. But yeah, but he was. But, but that's he the played for well, he played the Oxford. That was supposed to be the Oxley Chamberlain role. Yeah, and he played it as w- better than anyone could have imagined. Exactly. I remember screaming at the television in the first game, Lingard. How many chances do you
1: expect? to get? Yeah, like that's the thing. I, he's not world class. He's not. I just say he's gonna miss his chances, sure, but in that role, if you want a player to play that specific role, like Southgate is likely going to have him play in the same role he played in 2018.
0: Yeah, there's probably who not just many comes of- on my screen. Who just comes on my screen? Gareth Southgate. The TV's <laughs> on mute, so I don't want to hear them talking. I know they're gonna talk some crap. The, the the Lingard, you know, he has some touches, he's a versatile football player, which sometimes a curse. Because you don't know where to play him or whatever. But Master, Jack you know, of trades, Master of None. Master of None. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it makes you wonder like, couldn't he have done something for United? Like, United doesn't have a deep bench. Like, if this West Ham is a team battling for European places. He's been one of their best players. He's not good enough to. to
1: why was he not good enough to contribute for United? Um, there, there could be there could be a few reasons for that, you know, really and truly, I think there's a psychological reason to it for sure. Sometimes players just lose their confidence. We need to remember that these guys are human beings. They, if they're in an unhappy situation, things translate on the field. And then outside of that there is just the idea that some guys need to be the big fish in the small pond. Some guys can't be the small fish in the big pond. I, there's, uh, there's just, so just so many
0: this a lucky run, and I'm just praying that it continues in the Euros. Or,
1: or it could be that, simple as that. You know what's funny? I did see a rumor today that Arsenal are going to try and scan Jesse Lingard, and I thought that was funny because I've seen this guy dance on the Emirates too many times.
0: Yeah, but honestly, though, how many players are on Arsenal are better than Jesse Lingard? Right now, currently, maybe zero. <laughs> Zero, maybe? Probably? <laughs> Probably zero. <laughs> there's zero players better than Lingard, right? There's been no Arsenal player, but since Lingard has moved to West Ham, there's no player better than it. Oh, man. Uh, Lingard, Lingard, I don't think that's a sign in Arsenal should make to, if they want to go
1: forward. But... Oh, no, I think he's too old. Yeah, he's but, way too, uh, 28 he years, years old. Serious, that... <laughs> it's hilarious that Jesse Lingard is 28 years old. 28 years old. Let's, let's, let's go back He's 28. 28. Wow.
0: I thought he was younger than that. Oh. I really thought he was long younger than that. I have to check
1: that. That does that that doesn't sound right. He's 29 in December. Woo!
0: Yep. Talk about old age. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah yes, he is. You're right. Lingard. Lingard, um, player that maximizes his potential. He, uh, he, he's gotten everything out of his potential. For sure. Um,
1: so but that's, this this podcast is becoming just a Jesse Lingard podcast so we need to end it. Let's, but let's moving
0: it. on but yeah moving on to next week though Manchester City you know we we already spoke about Real Madrid um Real Madrid going to Anfield we know what that's going to be about Anfield Liverpool without the crowd they're going to come out hard for the first 20 minutes to get that early goal Real Madrid's going to be under serious serious pressure um Cruz and Modric their age you know Modric is 35 years old yeah. they start to feel that press They, you know, they're gonna, they might, they might break, but that was a vintage Champions League performance from Real Madrid, the all time greatest Champions League club. But moving on Manchester, man, Manchester City versus Dortmund. I tell you, Manchester City players have such fear and such scar tissue in their heads when they play the Champions League. They, they were very fortunate to beat a a
1: poor Dortmund team. Oh, yeah. Uh Yeah. as we said in the podcast last week, Dortmund, I mean, Man City cannot afford to lose to Dortmund. And you know what? I feel like they're going to lose. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, I would don't... not be
0: surprised. After I'm... watching that game, I would not be surprised that they lose. They, they make such so many s- stupid mistakes. Their players play the game in a way, in a manner, that is just so brain-dead and nervy. You you look at you look at, for example, the goal that was disallowed, how it yeah. came about from Jude Bellingham which should have been allowed. It was it was just one of those things, and they, they missed critical chances. It was good for Foden that he, he managed to make amends for the chance that he missed earlier. But Jesus, man, and even like Dortmund's goal, the positioning of their defenders, I just don't, I just I just don't understand City and their confidence um in this in this tournament they don't they don't play they the only time I've I've, I can honestly say that I've seen City play with confidence in the Champions League knockout stage was that first leg against Real Madrid last year and I felt the reason why they they probably played with confidence in that first leg was that they were playing the champions a team that have as many good players as them and losing to them wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world because yeah. they're playing a team that that are the champions and have many good players so there was no fear combined with the fact that real madrid was absolutely dreadful but in the second leg when real madrid was a team under pressure the team losing the tie and, and they they started to feel pressure you would have yeah. felt like it was you would you would have felt like manchester city didn't win the first leg and it was being played in spain so it was yeah this is this is a tie Guardiola and them better hope that they get the luck because I wouldn't be. They're very lucky. They're, they're very lucky to lucky head right go up. to
1: Dortmund with that yellow wall screaming. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know what which sports psychologist City needs to call but or which voodoo man they need to come to get into their stadium to cleanse it. But whenever the Champions League anthem plays, a switch goes off in their head that just completely baffles them. I a better would,
0: Dortmund team would have beaten them. A better um, City
1: would have 100%. beaten. This is
0: Dortmund isn't that good. That's that's the only thing that happened.
1: Is that Dortmund isn't that good? If Haaland had play. if Holland had played as well as he did in the previous tie against Sevilla, Man City would have lost that game.
0: And uh, missing Jadon Sancho. Yep. unfortunate uh, unfortunate. We would have loved to have seen Sancho play. I don't think Sancho's talking about yours, I don't think Sancho is going to go. I think Sancho's injury is worse than they're letting on. From what I've been reading on different blogs and stuff, that would be a his, shame. His, but... his injury is a bit worse than they have let on, but we shall see. Ah, uh, but yeah, City—they <laughs> dare not lose. They better, they better find some, they better find some luck. Um, the next round, they and, be, and I really hope—not a fan of City—I really hope they do get through because I would rather see City in the semi-finals against Bayern Munich and PSG, just for football's sake, because I like to see the best teams playing against each other. For sure. Uh, I sent you you an article today, a top 10 midfield article list. And Conte was on it. I don't know how he keeps making these lists and he doesn't start for Chelsea. I I, I don't understand how (laughs) how you're on it, but I'm not talking about Conte today. Mason Mount was on it. I have, what is going, Mason Mount is... Mason Mount would be lucky to make a top ten, a top you're... ten England <laughs> <Yes>. list. <laughs> I think you're,
1: and
0: being of perfect. course I'm hyperbole, hyperbole. But come on, Mason Mount isn't is that good. Mason Mount shout out scored a good goal um, against Porto. Did absolutely made twelve passes in that entire game. Uh, look, there was nothing dynamic, no dribbling, no anything about this performance. No great passing, no slip passing. But yeah, he scored a really good goal against a Porto team that pressed them and should have shouldn't have lost. But hey, Chelsea was able to get the get the great great result. Mason Mount. When we talk about overrated, people always say English players are overrated, and that's a overrated term. Mason Mount is becoming one is becoming the most overrated player. He really is, and, <laughs> and and it's gonna it's gonna happen. And I'm calling it now. Once he flops at the Euros, that's going. Everyone is everyone is going to say Mason Mount, so overrated. Typical overrated English player. <laughs> and, and this time I'm going to agree
1: with it. Yes, he's overrated. Let's let's unpack that. This article that you sent me, top ten, it has. Let's just. Clarify where in the list they have Mason Mount. They have him, what, fifth? I believe they had him. Yes, they have him fifth. They have him fifth. Kevin De Bruyne was one. Was one, yeah. If you are of the belief that Mason Mount is the fifth best central midfielder in the world, you are overrating him. That isn't even a question. I like Mason Mount. I am not as critical of him as you are, but I have to say, if it's one thing that he does possess, it's clearly a superb publicist because not even two months ago, everyone was talking about how this guy was lucky to be starting and he's only starting because Frank Lampard is his, his secret uncle or something like that. How is he making a top five list? Because ago? all of a sudden, all of a sudden, when,
0: when Tuch- um, Tuchel came in, and I know I'm butchering his name, came yeah. in, people thought, oh, he's definitely going to be. And then he didn't. And he pl- continued to play decently well. No, it it just gave license for those that did like him to say yes. You see, it wasn't Lampard. You were wrong, and no, they've just gone absolutely crazy. Every <laughs> every five yard pass that he does, you would think that he was making he was making a Ronaldinho type step over. <laughs> he he tries to dribble against Porter twice. He fell down. There was moments in the game where he couldn't get past his mark, and I'm like, yeah, he's okay. He's a good he's a good decent football player. But like, come on, this top five, and and now all of a sudden he's a guaranteed starter. And I love the way they break him down. I love the way the English break him down. Mason Mount is a fantastic football player, and then they always go into he understands the system and works hard. Uh, he he's he will do the job or whatever. I've seen those players all my life play for England. Nothing has ever happened. Nothing good has ever happened. You know, it's interesting. You know what type of football players I want? The players that, that, that we say, that player is so skillful. You, you, you come to himself, I'm going to tear you apart. Those <laughs> are the type of football players I want.
1: Yeah, I agree League with you League. there. No, I'm th- guaranteed starter for England. I, I would assume he would be competing for a spot with the great Jesse Lingard.
0: Well, yeah, because I don't think Lingard is going to start. I, I don't think there's any way Lingard starts for England. i so say he's going to be the squad player. Yeah. And that is, that's dangerous because if England need a goal or if it's, if it's a nil-nil game and he brings on Lingard before a Jack Grealish, for example, and England don't do well, you know, here we're gone on England again. They keep going. The the fans are going to absolutely kill Southgate. Yeah, but so, I, had
1: to, I had to bring up Jesse Lingard again because I believe he just scored again. Darn it's I keep
0: telling you, you know, Stefan, you're ahead of me. In, in, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. The of stream is, is, is behind, like two minutes behind. I'm sorry. You've talking about Jesse Lingard. Leicester is in big trouble of losing the top <laughs> four spot again. Um, this is a game that they needed to win. Long ball over the top. I don't know where where the goalkeeper's going. Running like he heard his mother calling him. And Lingard scores. Where where, where did Casper Kas- Kas- Michael go? Why did he run out there? You are a goalkeeper expert, and you know I don't trust them. He's running out of the ball, long ball over the top. Long ball, good long ball, line, high line at the half line. He runs off. You know, um, it is what it is. Uh, we don't need to. Did, we don't, we need, a don't combination, need to. Like... A combination of mistakes from Kas- um, I don't know why Casper Michael is running out of the goal. You
1: know, I have no idea where he's running to. But you, you did raise an interesting point there. Leicester look like they're about to lose this top spot. I think a gentleman by the name of Stefan Housen said a couple of weeks ago Both. that he didn't have much faith in Rogers and Leicester. I, I still don't see it. Yeah, they're in trouble because Liverpool has caught form. Liverpool
0: has caught form. Indeed, they're losing Lingard there. It's a great run by Leicester. Jesse Lingard is a super intelligent football player. Not much. If he had more ability he would be world-class based on his um, mental ability. The way he was able to start that run in the offside position, those are tautiest type of runs. Anyway, giving too much credit to Jesse Lingard. Too love, Leicester is in trouble. Uh, and that's that's going to be that. Oh, you know, we're talking about you're talking about squad selections, you know, not necessarily best. You yeah. know, when Ericsson was picking squads for the World Cup, he <laughs> <laughs> was like, mate, You know English. You know this is the word. Me like, what are you doing? (laughs) Everyone, where's the thought? Was there any thinking in this? Like, and and then when we had Roy Hudson for the Euros, it it was my God. Did you just? Did you just? Did they just give you thirty names and you just randomly pick them out of a hat? Was that was that the way how the team was selected? Oh, anyway. Anyway, Stefan, shout out to you. Um, catch up next week after the Champions League. Hopefully, we can break down everything.
1: Actually, before we go, there's one thing we have to make a note of. Uh, did, we, did you watch the Clásico yesterday? We might have just seen Messi's last Clásico appearance. Oh yeah, that was that was that was the end
0: of that. that um, was Real Madrid. But, you know, since I know you. Uh, when Real Madrid and Barcelona would play, that would always be the only thing anyone talked about for the entire week. Yeah. no, yeah. it's an afterthought. It definitely it is. is. It's an absolute afterthought. Real Madrid are not where they are. There has been. And Barcelona looked like it never was. So, for sure.
1: But the funny thing was, yesterday's Classical was probably the best Classical I've seen in maybe five years. The most enjoyable, at least. Most- you know,
0: thinking of Barcelona Classical and looking at. Um,
1: De Jong for Barcelona. What do you think of him? Oh, well, you know I'm a big fan of him. I was a big fan fan of him at Ajax. He
0: was also on that top 10 central midfielder list, nine. Not as good as Mason Mountagato, but he was (laughs)
1: nine. Uh, I'm a big fan of him, and I've been a big fan of him for years, actually. When he was at Ajax, he's a type of footballer I admire because he's a Cruyffian player if you want to use a, a term I'm making up he played centre-half and defensive midfield for Ajax in a way that is not usually how f- those positions are played and when he signed for Barcelona I remember the first thing I said was that's a smart signing but I expect them to destroy him and for the most part I don't think they've used him very well. Um, recently this season Coleman has come in and he's operated in somewhat of a similar way to how we operated at Ajax, coming from centre-half to DLP, distributing the ball, getting on the ball as much as possible. But that Barcelona team is so bad that the only person that can look world-class in it is Lionel Messi, and that's because he's out of this world. And Sergio Busquets is done. Absolutely. Sergio Busquets is done. I the second they, they bought De Jong should have been the second that Sergio Busquets was asked to kindly leave the club. but
0: I, I'm a fan of his. Like He, he he to me, is a better version of Declan Rice. That's the best way to sum him up. And I, and I rate Declan Rice. I think Declan Rice is a very good footballer. I, and yeah, I think that, De Jong is a better version than a more skillful. Basically, he can do everything Declan Rice does, but has more ability on the ball. And yeah. I, I think he's quicker... Uh, side to side than Declan Rice is. And I, don't I have it, I didn't
1: time them or anything, but just yeah. just
0: watching on my television. And I would, I would definitely
1: agree that he's a better version of Rice. But when you think about it, over the last two years, how many times has Declan Rice played left wing in a four four two, or how many times has he played attacking midfield in a exactly. in a three five two? Like the things that Barcelona have done with with Frankie De Young are absolutely stupid. You'll be like asking Thurz to play right back. It makes no sense.
0: The, the, he's a key to the Netherlands doing, if the Netherlands are going to do anything at the Euros. And I feel like it's unfortunate because the Netherlands seem to have a good setup going two years ago, but the Euros moving one year, it seems to have, it, it's going to, the, the many Van Dijk not being there, Windaldom not being in the same form, uh, Memphis Memphis at least Memphis is healthy, but is no longer the they, they seem to have lost the trick. You know, you know Blin yeah. is also older. They still haven't found much um talent around that outside of they're still they are dependent on that IX team that lost uh, the that overrated IX team that lost uh, to Tottenham
1: yeah, a, you champion, make yeah. a good point about the Euros moving and it's hurting them in regards to the likes of Van Dyke. But if you remember last year, they were going to go into the Euros without most of their forwards because Memphis, I know, I remember Memphis. Memphis was yeah, good. Memphis was injured and Dan, Daniel Malin, the young PSV striker, was also injured. So, the, so it's 6 0 1, half dozen of the other because it just seems that whatever year this is in, they're going to go in with a depleted team. I don't think the, the Netherlands yeah, you know, Wijnaldum isn't the
0: same player that he was last yeah. year. The uh, fact that why Weind- it tells you the fact that Wijnaldum is being asked to be the Netherlands playmaker, and Wijnaldum is a really good versatile football player. Mm-hmm. That's that's really shocking. Actually, it's
1: absolutely shocking. You know, okay. Wijnaldum ain't no playmaker. <laughs> Wijnaldum is on a free contract this summer, and there's a lot of rumors about him going to Barcelona. You know. And I watched that game against Liverpool and I said, you know, Widen Alam's are pretty smart, intelligent player. I, I think he'll be a good pickup on a free transfer for most teams. But against Real Madrid, I said, if Barcelona are really the team that's going to pick him up, they should just stop attempting to win championships. It make any uh, sense?
0: Uh, unless they have better players and they want him to be on, off the bench, like, off that, bench. That would have been a signing that they would have made in the early 2000s. When they already had Deco, they had Julie, and they wanted someone to come off of the bench to complete their team. Yeah. Uh, that, that That's how it is. Wijnaldum has zero assists all
1: season long. Zero. <laughs> Absolutely. Right now, Wijnaldum is a type of guy that if Arsenal signed him on a free, you'd say smart signing with anyone above Arsenal signing. would be like, why? Why?
0: Well, yeah. Anyway, Stefan, good catching up with you. Talk to you next week. All right, man. Peace. All right. Peace.